And we are live. Hey, everybody. This is episode number 11 of 1.30 a.m., a podcast that talks about what keeps entrepreneurs up at night. Today, I've got a very, very special guest that's joining us, uh, Nick from MedMe Health. You know, their company recently got uh, uh, invited to join a Y Combinator cohort for winter 2021. Um, they're working on some really interesting technologies in the healthcare tech space. And I just think, you know, amazing human being and the kinds of vibes that I'm getting from you, man, would be just amazing to uh, get to introduce you to the audience. So say hello to people listening and uh, welcome on the podcast. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Uh, Nick here, uh, one of the co-founders and chief product officer at MedMe Health. Uh, we build software for pharmacies to conduct their clinical services at scale, things like vaccinations, flu shots, et cetera. So uh, this year, if you get your flu shots and COVID vaccine in Canada, there's a very high chance you'll be using uh, our platform to do that. So uh, looking forward to your feedback. Nice to meet you, everyone. That's incredible. Okay, so let's, you know, before we sort of start into, uh, jump into more, you know, traditional questions of like who you are and what you've been up to, I, I, I kind of want to write, you know, dive right into the, uh, the, 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 the meat and, and, and potatoes of this conversation. So COVID happened, right? And you are running a medical technology startup out of Toronto in the middle of it and and then boom, right? And then things happened. And I, I just want to know your thoughts, like what one or two words in terms of reaction of what happens and how is that? Yeah. How is that? How, how are you how are you coping with that personally on your, your personal level and then professionally from your startup, obviously probably in the thick of things. Uh, more than any other startup I've interviewed for this podcast, but I'm more curious about like, you know, you personally, how, how are you dealing with all that? Yeah, yeah. Great question. So, so quick, quick summary, right? Back in January, February, you know, leading up to March, we were building software uh, still for pharmacies, but we were building for travel consultations um, uh, because that was, you know, the beachhead we, we found, but obviously starting in March, we travel went from whatever super high numbers to literally zero, right? So we're like, okay, cool. Our completely business is dead. Uh, what do we do, right? Um, and, and so at that time, there's a lot of interesting things that are coming up. Like there's a lot of new legislation that came out uh, with pharmacies allowing them to do a lot of their services that were used to be in person. They allowed them to do things virtually now. Um, they also allowed them to do just in generally more, more scope. But then at that point, there's a lot of like medication delivery and, and stuff as well because patients weren't going in. There's a huge thing about pharmacy PPE, for example, as well. Um, at that point, there's a lot of information, there's a lot of change. And so one of the things I think we did really well at that time was we, contrary to what other folks you know, did, uh, which is just jump onto whatever was, was hot, we, we took a pause. We looked at every, all our options. We looked at, hey, where do you think this is actually going? Should we jump on you know, medication delivery, which is what's hot right now, but it's gonna get replaced by Amazon you know, a few years. Should we jump on that or should we just wait, take a look at the legislation, take a look at how this is going to impact the industry in the long term and actually come up with a business plan right, moving forward. And so what we landed on was basically you know, clinical services at scale. Um, and at that point, it was virtual consultations. So there were these, a lot of seniors were going into pharmacies for their monthly checkups and whatnot, but they couldn't do that anymore, right? So this is something that's not going to go away after COVID. So how do we help make that a lot easier right now first, um, and then move, move on forward to like other services like flu shots and COVID vaccine. And that's sort of what really gave us the growth 
was, was, you know, we took a pause, we went for virtual, we used that to build up our brand as a digital health and you know, new, new software for pharmacies in the future. And that's when folks start hitting us up about the other services such as flu shots and uh, immunizations, um, other types of medication reviews, uh, cannabis consultations, uh, protein coaching. So these are all the services that um, pharmacies end up hitting, hitting us up with um, that we didn't really even realize that this is something that we could have served. Um, but it was because we landed on that initial part about bringing things virtual that we became the thought leader in this space for pharmacies and pharmacies started hitting us up. So yeah, like since then we've grown from basically in the last about 10, 11 months, uh, we went from, well, zero pharmacies uh, to 1400 pharmacies uh, now wow. in Canada. So um, to put that into perspective, there's about 10,000 pharmacies in Canada. So we're in about 14% of the market um, right now. So hoping to expand this into the States and we'll talk more about that later. Yeah. And wow. And, and so from just your, your sort of introduction here, it sounds like you had certain idea. I mean, you weren't, and again, I'm not making any assumptions here. I'm asking sort of a question here. You, you sort of were still figuring out the product market fit, but at some point these pharmacies started coming to you with very concrete ideas of what they wanted to see and what, what would really help them at this point. And, and, and then you just said, sure, we'll do it. I mean, were you nervous to let them lead you in all different directions? Were you excited to get that validation through, you know, uh, uh, other ideas and actual pharmacies sort of reaching out to you with something more specific? I mean, you know, um, there's you know a couple of ways that you know entrepreneurs usually approach either uh, you know solving a problem, either that's you know creating a product and then finding customers for that product, or coming to it with a complete open mind and then say, hey customer, what would you like to see, and then sort of reverse engineering the problem, the solution, and then following on we're following up with the product, um, and 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 hopefully that exactly is the best way to solve the problem. Sounds like you've done the second, it sounds like you've started with the first one, but then pandemic hit and you sort of pivoted towards more of a second approach, letting them uh, 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 recommend and dictate certain terms and direction of your product. Was that, was that nerve wracking? Was that, were you, were you concerned? Were you excited? What? Um, absolutely not. To be honest, I, I, I mean, it really depends on the industry, but for us, that was most definitely the way to go. Um, we always talk about well, I guess there's two, two caveats, right? Like we're, we're not going to build like every single thing that people ask us for. Obviously there needs to be some insight onto what's going forward. Um, but we, we just make sure we're hearing from the right folks, right? Like we're, we're hitting up pharmacy associations, banners, groups are, like with you know, a lot of pharmacies and just asking them what they're needing. So instead of really, instead of asking on, on a low level of exactly what each pharmacy, we're hearing almost en masse. And, and Vadim, actually one thing I was going to bring up and uh, I feel like I haven't never had told you about this, but one of the talks you gave us way back in, I think it was like maybe a year ago now about, about product that we still really hold true today. Um, one story that you, you told us was really interesting was um, password reset, for example. You never built the password reset, right? And, and obviously, no, we have built password reset, but, but the, the moral of the story is you, you, like, don't build it unless like you, your, your company is gonna die without that thing, right? And, and so, um, or just like only when you're hearing that same feedback from like 80% of your clients, right? If a single client asks you that feature, just do it manually, right? Just, right. So that's sort of the, the whole mindset we've also been been taking in the next little bit. Like, you know, if one pharmacy tells us a new module, we're like, deal with it sort of thing, right? In, in a nice way. Um, but what we keep track of, you know, a, a log of how many times people ask us for certain things. And if it hurts, hits a certain threshold, then we start building it out. 
So that's sort of the approach we've been going. But, but really, you're right. It's the option two. It's hearing from the clients, um, hearing what they want, and then building it out at that point. Uh, obviously, with a product lens, because you don't want to just build a random things that never fit together <laughs> into, a, into a product roadmap. So that's also been important as well. But yeah, yeah no, and, and, and the other credit goes obviously to you because it takes certain open-mindedness, but also certain discipline, right? It's very tempting to say yes to, to, you know, to preserve your company, especially during these quote unquote uncertain times, you never even know if, if, you know, if you can still, and like, I mean, look, I, you know, everybody's got their own financial situation. Uh, for the most people, it was, you know, get it right or die because the clock was ticking, money wasn't coming in and now COVID hit and you were sort of stuck in the situation where you need to make decisions fast and those decisions better work out. Otherwise I'm assuming, you know, company uh, uh, wouldn't survive. Let's take a pause here just for a second in terms of uh, MedMe Health, I would love to introduce you a little bit more um, uh, informally and a little bit more, you know, uh, uh, intimately to the audience. I am, you know, would love to ask, and again, this is something we've never talked about, so it's, it's also introduction for me, but what, you know, when, when people say, hey, you know, uh, Nick, you know, I, you know, my name is Vadim and, you know, I, 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 I do so-and-so, uh, you know, what, how, how do you introduce yourself? How do you like position yourself in, 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 in coffee chats? Or is it like, you know, you're a product expert? Are you more on the, you know, tech side? Are you like a med tech, you know, enthusiast? Like what, what are your interests? What are some of the things that get you passionate? How did you get to this? But maybe we'll get to that a little bit later, but I'm just curious, like what, what is the things that, you know, you, you care about? Um, that's a really interesting question. Um, it has changed a lot. And to be honest, I don't really have the most recent version of this self intro because uh, I guess to be frank, right? Like the last time I had to do these self intros and I was connecting quite a bit, it was before MedMe. And to be honest, before MedMe, I actually wasn't considering healthcare um, at all. And so my, my self intro has, didn't, ha didn't go into healthcare at, at all. It was really just becoming an entrepreneur. Um, Problems. I forget what the exact word was. It was something about both being doing both business and engineering. You know, I have a background in engineering and, and design, and um, but but also have a lot of passion in in, in obviously entrepreneurship. Yeah. So it's I forget what the word was. It was co some combination. Um, but obviously recently I just introduced myself as you know chief product officer and just um, heading up design and being being the expert for many um, or sorry being most knowledgeable. Um, about our engineering team, about design, about our competitors, and most importantly, about our clients. So sitting in the intersection of these four things. Right, right. So were you, were you born in Canada? If we were to take it all, all the way back, were, were you born in Canada? Sure. Um, I was born in Hong Kong. I, I grew up in Beijing for about 12 years. I, I never actually lived in Hong Kong. Um, spent, spent 12 years in, in Beijing. Um, went through like all the different types of schools you can imagine, like local schools, uh, international schools, bilingual schools even, where you learn like math and Chinese once and then math and English the second time. Wow. Like it's so stupid. But anyway, like everything was like twice, or like science, you gotta learn it twice, once in each language. Um, and I think PE was like English or something. Uh, anyways, came to Canada when I was like 13, 12, tw uh, 12. Um, and yeah, grew up in Vancouver. Uh, elementary so grade seven and then high school in Vancouver uh, went to UBC also in Vancouver and then spent the last about well two years ago went to Toronto for next 36 the the founders development program 
and then shortly after that was, was G-Beta where I met you. And then uh, six months ago, we came back to Vancouver um, just to sort of avoid COVID and avoid the cold. <laughs> but, yeah, so I'm currently in Vancouver now, but yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not judging it. Is your, oh, I think my video just disappeared. I don't know why. Uh, is your entire uh, team in Vancouver or is that just you? Uh, there's three of us. There's me, our CEO, and one of our engineers. Uh -huh. um, the rest of our team, they're all in. Uh, they're all in Toronto. Got it. Got it. Got it. And so, when you were sort of growing up and and going to UBC, uh, uh, um, and what were you interested in? Was it technology? Were you coding at all? Were you trying? You know, learning other languages? Like, what was hmm. what was sort of, you know, what were you passionate about at that time? And the reason why I'm asking is because a lot of people come a full circle. They, and you know, they're passionate about certain things, then adult life happens to them and they kind of get carried, you know, into the direction of making money and, you know, realizing at some point that it's not what they really want. Circle back to their original passion and start a business around that, you know, whether that's, you know, a function like a product and you just like reverse engineering and tinkering with things or whether that's healthcare where, you know, you're always curious and, you know, some people are about, you know, how the whole, you know, medical, you know, uh, the autonomy of a human body and all that like works. Um, you know, I, you know, for example, and while I'll give you a couple of seconds to think about this because uh, some people get uncomfortable, but, you know, in my case, I grew up watching the uh, uh, Steve, Stephen Hawking uh, uh, science show. Um, and uh, uh, another one was Michio Kaku's, uh, uh, I forget the names now, but you know, these two scientists, they're like, uh, you know, uh, 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 most outspoken people in space and, in, you know, physics and all that. And even though right now, right now I'm working on a series of tech startups, my biggest dream is still to launch a tech, you know, space tech company. And at some point I will do that when I'm 50, when I'm 60, when I'm 70, I'll get, I'm get, I'll get there. Um, but that never left me because those were the things that I was passionate about when I was a little kid. Um, I'm curious though, what the answer is for you like. Yeah, yeah, sure. So there's a few parts of that. By the way, I grew up, um, instead of watching the, the space side of things, it was just folks who have built great companies. Um, founders of Ikea, how they went from, from nothing to, to they are now. Like, it, and so it, it ranges from like furniture companies to tech companies to teams in general. And um, so, so there's a few sides to this. One side in the last few years, the, and to be honest, I'm definitely quite privileged or, or fortunate to, to be able to do this. Um, I've been able and lucky enough to be able to optimize for learning only. I did not have to optimize for money uh, and, and any of that. I, I only had to optimize for learning. And, and so that's the choice I made. And so everything I've done so far has been that. Um, that if, if you have to draw a line or, or like if there's a common thread between everything I've done in the last, last few years, that's probably the main one. The second one is um, I, I'm just really passionate about bringing together really smart people and just working towards the goal. Like if again, you have to <laughs> draw another common thread between, between everything I've done, that's really the second, maybe secondary thread. Um, you know, for example, uh, I guess a, a quick example of even at, at school at UBC, I ran a uh, engineering student team called UBC Air Design, where you know, we were a 70 member uh, team of engineers and, and, and students where we built airplanes, uh, both autonomous and, and uh, payload lifting ones to carry weight, uh, drop them on targets and, and whatnot. And we actually placed uh, third in the international competition um, after, after a few years. And I also grew the team from about 20 members to, to 70 members. So that was, that was a pretty interesting experience. Um, 
but you know the common thread between that for example and now is really just you know i back then before i started the team and worked on the team i knew nothing and had zero passion to be completely honest about airplanes <laughs> like even now for example if you if you told me you know what's the latest plane i would have no clue like that was not my thing but what i was really passionate about was just learning you know like what was at you know, as an engineer, you learn about all the technical things, right? But what actually goes into le leading an engineering team, um, making sure all the marketing, finance, sponsorships, um, project management, product management design, how do, how do all things fit together, right? And that was my main goal, running that team. And so, um, yeah, that's sort of what I'm also optimized for, for learning there. Yeah, and you know, the ability to learn and pick up things quick, quickly is such a superpower. And I mean, <clears throat> you know, some people are born natural salespeople and they will never even be able to grasp the complexity of technology. They just know certain things work a certain way and, you know, delegate to the engineering team. And then some people are another way around, like they're good at numbers and they will never want to be in a social circle or, you know, kind of thrive towards being more outspoken or likable. But what I'm finding recently, and, you know, maybe it's just, you know, it's you and maybe it's just, you know, recency bias where I'm just talking to a lot of people, or maybe it's just becoming more and more sort of obvious, but, you know, people that excel tremendously in life are these T-shapes kinds of personalities where you get to pick up knowledge very quickly and you're able to go from, you know, a, a, you know technology or engineering to airplanes to healthcare to, you know, uh, product, but then sort of double down in one or two core areas that you're absolutely killing it. And so, like, it comes so naturally to you. Uh, you know, and, 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 but that, you know, Elon Musk is dubbed as the T-shape entrepreneur, you know, Richard Branson. I mean, I, I don't know, Richard Branson was dyslexic, but he's also, you know, able to navigate multiple industries and really grasp, you know, our consumer attention, but also the business side of things and, 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 you know, build multiple businesses. And I, I really think that that's the kind of trait that, you know, a lot of successful entrepreneurs kind of looking back backwards, if you're asking or trying to figure out, was it any specific trait or personality, character type, you know, they, they, they attribute it to their ability to learn and just pick up things fast because they could outperform the other guy by being able to absorb things much faster. So I do think, I, I do think it's a, uh, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a strength. And it's really interesting that you brought that up, that you had no passion for airplanes. When I started CoSquare, I had no passion for legal. Um, and before that, when I started uh, or joined, rather, I should say, as a co-founder, I joined an alternative lending marketplace called Connect. I knew nothing about alternative lending and I could care less about, you know, um, 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 uh, second and third mortgages. Um, it just kind of, but, you know, over time you become passionate because you realize the problem is real. You're able to solve it. And I think what, 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 what I'm personally, you know, uh, uh, interested in and, and, and really was real, you know, realized that recently is that I'm not passionate about any specific industry, maybe except for space that's coming. Um, but I am truly passionate about solving a problem and, and, and almost trying to prove to myself that I can do it, taking on whatever challenge and then using this learning cognitive ability to tackle that challenge. And like you said, bringing together teams and, and, and other people, I mean, you know, there's very few things that you can tackle yourself. So I, 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 I kind of like what I'm hearing so far. Um, let's, fa you know, fast, fast forward to, you know, uh, a, a, a couple of years. So you're graduating from, from this university. And at that time, did you, cause you know, with next, they're looking for recent graduates and it, and, you know, they have several streams. They have an AI stream, they have an established founder stream, and then they have recent graduate stream. Um, um, and I, I'm assuming you went for a 
um, recent graduates or currently in school stream. Is, is, was, was that right? And, and at that time, I mean, what was going through your head when you were graduating from university and everyone, every other person you're in your school was probably getting jobs or, you know, get, get, you know, in real estate and investment banking or, you know, for engineering, they were probably getting jobs at Microsoft because Seattle is so close. Um, what was going through your head that you decided, you know what, I actually somehow want to be different and I actually want to pursue something else. We're like, well, take me back to that uh, setting. Yeah. Yeah. So really good question. Um, before I heard of Next 36, my plan was to go back to Tesla that I spent about a year at. Um, I mean, to be honest, even to this day, obviously no one really knows what was the right choice. Um, if I joined Tesla back then, I would be a millionaire now because of the stocks. Um, so <laughs> like, you know, you never know what, what, the, uh, what the trade-off is, but that was definitely my plan. Um, go to the company, um, build up some personal runway, um, meet folks who are just, just amazing engineers. I think um, like one of the hardest things always to find is just a really strong technical team. Um, so I always knew that I had to like sort of make some connections on, on that front um, before, you know, finding an, an industry expert and whatnot in order to build a startup. So building a startup was, was always on top of my head, but I, I wanted to do some more background like or, or, uh, groundwork first before I did that. Um, I applied to Next36 to be honest, really almost as it was only a summer program, I want to see what it's like to actually start something quick. Um, and what was going on in my head at that time was my opportunity cost was zero. Like, again, this is again, I think a privilege that I had, I didn't have to worry about the money right after grad graduation um, because I had some money that I, I saved up for my internships. Um, so all I had to do was just test out what entrepreneurship felt like for six months if things failed, I'm just going to apply to Tesla again and, you know, life would resume, right? So the opportunity cost was just too low at that point for me to not try a different path that I wasn't considering. Yeah. Right, right. And and what was the idea again? Sorry for, you know, if I missed it, but what, what was the idea that you were exploring at that time with Next36? You said it was a summer thing. You, you said it was a temporary thing. Uh, but what, because yeah. I think you have to apply with an idea, is that right? They, they, they accept people that are thinking about certain ideas and then they help you sort of, you know, commercialize it or materialize it in, you know, in the shape of a MVP. And, um, but what were you thinking? Well, about sort that? of. Uh, uh, Next36 is definitely a lot more like a founder's development program than a incubator, where incubators you go in with a, with a incorporated business as a team and they help you build the company. Um, Next36 was more like a school almost, but it's the much more effective way to teach entrepreneurship. You know, it's the school equivalent of entrepreneurship. So obviously I did go in with, with an idea about basically building micro communities, um, not too similar to, um, uh, well, <laughs> to be honest, it's pretty common, um, but like meetup, for example, like meetup.com, it was basically a, a, spin, a spin on meetup.com um, with different, a different product in different size groups. Um, that didn't go well. Um, to be honest, that's probably one of the most tried ideas in entrepreneurship ever, because as a student, uh, graduating from students, that was a problem I felt. And, you know, as a student, you only see that many things, right? So you try to solve problems that you personally experience, you know, making friends, forming groups, et cetera, at school. So <laughs> it's definitely one of the most tried ideas I feel. I was one of those folks, and I soon realized that, like, it's really difficult to do at the end of the day for a first-time founder. And so um, when I met um, 
Korea, for example, when he already had an idea in pharmacy, um, I actually knew a lot about pharmacy already because every single hackathon that I've done in university um, has been pharmacy related because I, I knew there was a, a big shift that was happening in the pharmacy space. There's always people joking about pharmacists getting replaced by robots. And as an entrepreneur, when you hear that statement, you should know there's an opportunity there because no industry just gets replaced like easily, right? Like even if that does happen, like, you can be the technology to do that, right? But like, like a quick example, for example, like back then when accountants, when they were you know, doing calculations and Excel came by, right? Like they didn't lose all their jobs, right? They had to figure out how to use Excel now for their jobs, right? And so I was just thinking, okay, why don't we build a product sort of thing for, for pharmacies because you know, new, new technologies and as well as legislation and market forces like Amazon and whatnot, they've been pushing them away from dispensing. And so how can we um, build tools to help them do their job better basically, yeah. And, and at that time, were you still sort of figuring it out by yourself or you were already in touch with your future uh, you know, co-founders for, for, for MedMe? Is, is, that, is that how you guys met? Yeah, well, well, I mean, we met because we both knew a lot about the space, but we didn't really start working on it until May 2019. Um, and even, even then, we still played around with the space a lot. We didn't actually go B2B right away. We were going to build tools for B2C. It took us about 10 months going through Gbeta as well in order to figure out, oh, you know what? The B2B SaaS play is, is the way to go. So we didn't realize that until, excuse me, eight months later. No, I, I get it. And, and we'll get to that in a second, but I, I would love to circle back with your community's idea because no matter how stupid or saturated or, you know, um, uh, idea is, it always brings you that joy. Well, first of all, you get users signing up at some point and you are just crazy excited about something you've built, something that's tangible, you know, you can put it out there and people actually sign up. So that that's great. And then the other thing that comes with is learning and, and learning in regards to, you know, real life market dynamics are very different from lab and, you know, um, uh, hypotheses. You're thinking about all these things. Well, users will do this and then they'll do this and that's how we you know, add value. But in reality, users might skip the second step and sort of jump into the fourth step that you're not even anticipating. So sort of like, you know, battle testing your, your, your ideas in the market. Usually you come out with a lot of learnings. I'm curious if, if there's more than one or two, I would love to hear them all, but what would be the top one or two sort of learnings at that time as a, as yeah. a first time entrepreneur, you know, you're out of school, you know, you're, you're, you graduated from school. And I mean, by the way, you know, I, I love how humble you are, right? Not a lot of people wait for 30 minutes to mention that they worked at Tesla. You did. I, I, I love that about you, man. Um, and, but, you know, working with companies also has very different dynamics, uh, um, because you've got all these other departments taking care of certain things, and then you have your own role that you're doing, you know, fantastically well. But with startups, you're the salesperson, and you're the developer, and you're the, you know, the the client support person. And so there's like a lot of that, you know, um, um, uh, discomfort, and really you're pushing those boundaries of of comfort zone because now you need to be out there and and, and tell people about what you're working. Um, so tell me about the lessons. Tell me about like, what are the, what, what kind of exposure did you get? What, what's, what, what was the aha moment? Like, what was the, really the, 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 the gifts and fruits of the, you know, jumping into it. And, and by the way, were you scared? Were you like, screw this? Like, I, I, I don't know, maybe just get back to the, you know, Tesla, like, you know, enough is enough. Like, what was, what was, what was going on? Yeah. Well, okay, well, so outside of that idea, I've, I've also tried other ideas as well, to be honest. Um, 
I mean, it's, it's nothing glamorous. It's pretty common. Most of the times ideas fail, sometimes also not because the idea is a stupid idea, but just a team. So both times our, our team reached the end of its lifespan. For example, people had to go do different things. And when the team fell apart, it, I guess I didn't just have enough conviction about the idea to continue. Um, and so to be honest, both times the community idea as well as the other idea about a VR display for, for cars, um, that was also um, what ended up happening. Um, but for the first idea with the community, one of the things that like, so to be completely honest, I do want to revisit something like that in the future as well with a bit more experience. It's, it's quite hard to build <laughs> um, essentially like direct to consumer, like free software, like because one of the biggest things was we couldn't monetize it. Like, and, and that's not a big problem, obviously. Like for example, like Clubhouse is free and they're doing an amazing job. But like, it, it does require a little, little bit more experience, I think, in order to have built something like a clubhouse, knowing how to do achieve reality and things like that. Um, it, we, I guess we just knew at the, at the beginning that it was gonna be a hard thing to do as first time founders. Not that no one should try as a first time founder, we knew it was a little bit harder. Um, and you know, if there's just two ideas that we're equally passionate about, we just decided to go with the, the, the easier one. And, and obviously it wasn't easier by any means, like healthcare was also super interesting. and. Um, one, of the, one of the reasons, sorry, that I also index highly on is just being able to build products again, right? That people just like essentially thank you for, right? And, and healthcare is really easy to do that because you are literally impacting their health or their lives. So any improvements you make in healthcare, people are just going to thank you a lot for it. And, you know, so, so that has also been a, a reason why I think went to healthcare because of the impact. Um, but I definitely are not, you know, I'm not stuck in healthcare. I definitely want to be able to replicate that that effect in different industries as well. Right, right. So the learnings were essentially, you know, you should be smart enough about how you monetize. Uh, and anything else that you like, sort of like, you know, I, I mean, you know, say GBA invites you to be an advisor and everybody's like, hey, you know, Nick, you know, tell us what, you know, biggest lesson learned and like what, you know, what are the mistakes that you and like, what would you tell them? Like, what, what would you sort of tell this first-time founder that has, you know, is passionate about the idea, and 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 now they want like, what what are the things to look out for? What are the things that you know they should probably dig a little bit deeper before they start? Like, what 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 would be? I guess my question is, what would you what, what would you have done differently? Um, uh, looking yeah. back. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or I guess generally, one, one advice that always, well, the most common one is just just go do it, <laughs> like. Like there's, there's an, a massive amount of activation energy from um, between you having a thought in your head that, oh, this is a good idea to actually doing it. Like th this activation is, is massive, right? Um, once you actually decide to do it, then to be honest, that's really like half the battle. Like, I mean, this is super cliche, right? But like, once you actually want to, you know, set your time and, and, and do it, you're going to find co-founders, you're going to find clients, everything will come after that, right? Um, so obviously, you know, getting over that activation hump especially when your opportunity cost is low when you're young is, is I think super important. Um, but, but I guess something that's maybe less common and, and something that we always, I think, learn in, in YC as well um, is, well, essentially you want to iterate quickly, right? You want to be able to build something quickly and, and try to like use what you have right now and try to find the most information that you can, right? And, and so one of the things we, one of the ways we applied this uh, when we were building Redmi was, um, so I, not, I'm not a good programmer. I, I can barely program properly. Um, so at the beginning, it was not programming an app to do a demo. It was building extremely, extremely high fidelity wireframes and design 
because that was my strength as a UI UX designer. Um, and just taking that and going to literally the biggest company, like, you know, going into Rexall, for example, or going to a big company and being like, hey, this is the product that we have or, you know, we'll be able to build quickly. Is this what you guys want, right? And at that time, it's indifferentiable from a real platform to a design because I'm controlling on my side of the screen and everything, you know, properly controlled. If I click on this, if I click on the wrong thing, it's going to break, right? Um, but, but you know, using, what, using your, your skills really um, to find out as much information as, as you can as fast as possible instead of waiting for you to build and be confident with your product and whatnot before selling because like, I don't know how many times I've had to rip out the entire design from scratch. <laughs> and, I, and thank God we didn't build those things, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So let's, let's, th this is awesome. So yeah, absolutely. So uh, let's, 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 let's keep this moving. And I guess I would love to, uh, to jump into your sort of like later stages of GBA. I think this is when we lost touch because, you know, I, I, I got busy and you were sort of preparing and, you know, uh, talking to mentors and talking to investors and then, you know, big graduation demo day and boom, you know, poof, you disappeared. And then we haven't spoken in a, in a, in a while. And, uh, obviously, big announcement came, and I, and I couldn't be happier for you. But the, the latest stages of GBeta, and for those of you that don't know, GBeta is a um, incubator out of Toronto. You know, they're they, they're they're actually global, but they got chapters everywhere, including Toronto. And so it's an idea stage, uh, early validation, I would say, stage where you know you sort of have a team, have an idea, and then they help you commercialize it. Um, uh, at the end, you get introductions to investors and all the amazing things like that, um, mentorship, and you know, tailored advice. Um, and I think at that time you went from B to C to B to B based on the conversation, based on things you've told me uh, uh, on this call. Uh, uh, talk to me about how they how that came about. What were sort of like these findings that I guess shaped you shaped your decision making in 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 that direction? Um, I mean, the short answer is we got ripped apart in G Beta. Um, it was a bad idea overall in B to C, and I'm very glad that G Beta told us that because we, could, we probably would have continued on that path for a long time if we didn't know we, uh, the certain triggers we should have put in our company to realize that this was not a good idea. Um, but the, our strength and potentially weakness, right, is that like me and Priya were, were, were very tenacious. We, we can keep going down a path for a long time to make it work. And, and one, of those, one of the issues with that is you don't always want to do that, right? Like it might be, Generally speaking, if you pick the right direction, for example, pharmacy, then that's a great idea, right? At least you can stay in the industry for a long time, right? But you don't want to get fixated too much on a certain solution. And, and that's definitely something that I think GBeta gave us the wake up call there mm. um, for us at the time. And so while, while, while still in the program, you're sort of thinking, okay, let's stop talking to individual consumers. Let's start reaching out to more of a um, you know, pharmacies and, and other places. And that was before COVID. So you still, you know, you were still doing, what, what was the product at that time? Like, what were you now pitching yeah, so, to these well, B2B companies? Yeah, well, I mean, at that time, like we were, it was, you can think of it almost as like an, an Uber Eats app, but instead of restaurants, it was pharmacies. And mm -hmm. instead of, you know, patients, oh, and then it was patients on, on the other end, but um, not only were they getting meditation, so they weren't getting med, med deliveries, but they were getting services. So mm -hmm. um, any patient can just ask a question to a pharmacist and get a service basically conducted. If they had the questions about contraceptives, for example, um, they can get the answer, the, the question answered, right? And the benefit of the pharmacy side, obviously, is that 
you could potentially get that as new clients, right? So it's, it's sort of a demand generation at that work. So it, it, it really is, it was quite simple. It was sort of just like a, almost like a customer support chat yeah. um, with some basic ticket, ticketing systems that was tailored towards B2C. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, funny you're saying this, and I'm not even going to take too long, but I'll just, I'll, I'll shout it out there. Uh, when I started, when I relaunched CoSquare, CoSquare was a Q&A platform for legal help. So you could get an answer from a lawyer and that was a lead generation for lawyers. So I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. It's a very similar thought process. <laughs> it just, just blows yeah. my mind that, you know, we, we both went that way and we're B2B now too. We're focusing primarily on, you know, different things now. So um, I'm, I'm just glad how that worked out. Um, and then I guess you're graduating, right? So you have, have you gotten anything out of GBeta in terms of investment or big client acquisition? Like usually these demo days are packed with, you know, uh, angels and influential people and then potentially even clients, right? Or people that can refer to clients. Have you gotten anything out of, out, out of GBeta in that sense? Yeah, well, no, we were too early stage at that point. I mean, we're, we're also realizing our, our business model was stupid, but we barely had any MRR. We had some users, but they're all students who are probably not going to be willing to pay. Um, and all our, yeah, we spoke to probably 50 investors back then. And uh, yeah, no, no interest there at that time. Wow. So oh, yeah. uh, the only money we did get at that point were, were angels that we found ourselves and they were pharmacy owners. Um, at that point, yeah. Wow, wow. So that's, that, 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 that must have been devastating, but I guess you were confident that you can make it work. Both of you were tenacious. That's the word that you used. And I guess you just realized, you know, if we, were, we, if we just had a little bit more time, we, you know, we could have closed them. And, and by the way, are, are you still in touch with, with, the, with those people that rejected you at that time, at the, uh, at the demo day? Yeah, well, I mean, now that we're in YC. So by the way, one correction is we actually went through YC already. Uh, so it's the 2021 batch. So it started in, uh, uh, well, we got in October 2020 and our demo day was just about three weeks ago. Wow. So since then on the YC demo day, I think three weeks ago, we've been taught, we've spoke to maybe 100, 150 investors since then. Um, and some of these were investors that obviously we've spoken to way back in the days wow. when we were a different idea. So wow. definitely full circle there as well. But, um, but most of them have been, been US or new investors though. Got it. Well, let's spend the rest of the time on this. So um, you're you're leaving uh, uh, GBeta, and then um, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but then there is about nine months between then and October uh, that you guys. So what you, you, during the nine months you're sort of mm -hmm. now working out this new idea. Then I think I think COVID hit fairly shortly after that. Uh, uh, G beta uh, and 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 you're like crap. Let you know now we need to do this and then so you're pivoting and now you need to pivot again because I, I, I'm assuming right, yeah. I'm assuming you've done two pivots from from B two C to B two B and then from physical now towards um, uh, completely online, completely remote. And so what what was your if you if, if I was just to give you thirty seconds, sixty seconds, like what was what was the journey really from you know, well, again, like it's crazy because so many people would have given up by now. I mean, you could have joined another startup. You could have called it a day. You could have went working for another, you know, uh, 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 health health tech company like League or, you know, whatever it is, right? Um, uh, uh, Maple or, you know, um, why didn't you? Like what, what was really dry? Like why? Like what kept you going? Mm -hmm. I'm just curious. Um, like, like to be frank, it's probably just, again, like learning. Like 
to be completely frank, at that point, we didn't actually feel like we have learned anything yet. We learned how to fail. We haven't actually brought to a point where we were learning the learnings that you can only learn about when you have built a company that people are actually paying me money for. So we, we, we never got there. And so we were like, okay, before we drop, we have to learn. We have to at least learn that part first, right? Um, and and uh, so after GBA, we also also got into uh, Velocity in, in Waterloo. And then after Velocity, we also got into a program called WeFunder in the US. Mm. Um, they had an accelerator called the XX. And mm. to be honest, both of them have actually, uh, they really helped us think about our company overall. Um, they're also obviously a little bit later stage than, than G-Beta, those guys, um, but they definitely influenced heavily on, on how we pivoted, how we positioned our new product in the new space, how we achieve all the growth that we, we got in the last year. Wow. Well, wow. so you, you're on, on the highway to just keep learning, keep enrolling into this incubators, accelerators, like just talk to as many people, figure out what, what else you're missing. But I mean, I know that feeling. I, I personally know that feeling of trying so hard for so long and sales are just not coming in. And at some point, and again, I'm not discouraging you. I'm, I'm with you because recently I broke through that barrier and I couldn't be more happier to finally say, okay, phew, like I can actually do it. But at some point, I'm not going to lie. At some point I had doubts whether it's this path is even for me, right? Like so at some point you're thinking, well, are the stars telling me something? Is it just not for me? Because you're reading about, you know, from zero to a billion dollars in, in three months and, and you're like, fuck, like I've been, I've been busting my ass for two, three years and I got nothing. Uh, I'm learning, that's great. But, you know, uh, how much longer can I really tolerate that um, uh, 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 lack of traction uh, for, you know, uh, uh, what, you know, were, were, did you have doubts? Were you thinking maybe, you know, not, not for me. Um, to be honest, that never actually occurred for us. We probably, in hindsight, in a way, we probably should have, you know, actually thought about whether this is the right path for us, uh, <laughs> given all the signs. But that never crossed both Terry and my mind. Like we, we just knew from the get-go, like something was here in this space. Like, like you, you just don't have like forty thousand highly trained professionals who are not practicing to their fullest ability. Like, there's no way there's no opportunity here. So we always thought like we just weren't doing things right. Um, and so we were like, okay, let's figure out how to do things properly. So uh, picking the right industry at the beginning, at the right time, because you know all, all our investors, like we had investors back then actually, they're all pharmacy owners, right? And pharmacy owners, like they gave us money when we were pivoting, we had zero customers, like an MRR, like that, spoke something to us that, that told us like, there's probably something here. We're just not doing it right yet because we're inexperienced or you know, we haven't just hit the nail yet, just literally because we haven't tried the, the right things yet. Um, and so we just kept going and yeah, that's, so we're, that's where we're at now. I, I, love and, I mean, to be frank, yeah. right? Like you never really know, like, I mean, I mean, even now, I guess it, it's hard to say that we're in the right industry. Um, obviously we've taken off, but who knows, like, is this a one billion industry is a $10 billion is a hundred million, like obviously in your investor pitch decks, you're always gonna say it's massive, right? But like, no one really knows, right? Like it's, it's a brand new industry, right? How, I mean, how can you even guess? Like, it's really hard, right? And, and so even now we're, we're just, you know, if it ends up being a hundred million, we're like, we're okay with that. We maximize learning, but hey, ideally we're unicorn. Ideally, we're a decacorn, right? So I, 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 I would love to see nothing more than nothing. You know, I wouldn't expect anything less 
from you than that. Um, talk to me about Y Combinator. So you're entering in, in October. And of course, like, you know, I, I know how excited you probably were to get that uh, uh, invitation because it's just massive, right? Like very few people get in. Um, they flew, no, I guess they wouldn't fly you in because of COVID, but they, they definitely grilled you on the call. And um, and so there you are, you're, you're in the Y Combinator and, and, and describe to me, describe, describe to me that experience. So, you, you know, October starts and, you know, you say, okay, guys, you know, you're one of the, you know, X number of companies, you know, participating in this and, and, and then what, like, what, what, what are they giving you really that is so valuable about Y Combinator? Why, why does everybody want to get in there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, to be honest, this, this topic itself can probably be a, a whole podcast. Um, let's see, where do I start? So let's just, there's, there's a few aspects to it. There's, there's the hard truth, right? Like by becoming a YC comp company, um, investors treat you entirely differently. Instead of you going to investors, they're going to come and beg to talk to you because like you are pre-vetted by a company that abide by YC who has traditionally outputted a, a lot of amazing companies in the past, right? And so even that alone has been already worth it itself. Um, but there's, there's other sides, right? There's overall just the way, okay, so um, there's a lot of programs. There's a few, there's a few formats, right? There's uh, group office stars led by their partners there is founder-led office hours where you just talk to the bats together and there's about 10 companies who, who work together. There is um, group talks and events where they invite speakers and obviously it's no, no recordings and whatnot. It's a very candid conversation between, between folks. And ultimately it's just, um, let's say on the talks, right? They're bringing in, I don't know, the founder of Stripe, for example, and coming here. And those guys were in your shoes like three years ago, right? And just be able to see literally someone who was in your shoe, like in the exact same program, go from zero to freaking $10 billion in, in, in a few years, that puts a lot more confidence in you as a founder that you can also also do that because statistically speaking, you're like most of the way there already by, by getting a YC, but also just overall mindset, like um, not just an investment, but like, um, like, like you are a company that has invented by, by YC they teach you some of the, the more basic levels of like how to become a successful company. Because knowing that you have already, statistically speaking, uh, uh, gone from you know the average failure rate of I don't know 99% startups to maybe 90% now, right? Or 80%. So even knowing that has has been a huge, huge confidence boost already. Um, and obviously, there's the hard skills and learning, such as you know do things that don't scale. Um, all, all those famous things that you guys probably know already with YC, just hearing them again, literally from Michael Seibel, for example, is just super, super nice. And, and you might think you have been applying those principles before, but just hearing them again, being able to talk about those principles with a partner that has you know, gone through this um, has been super, super uh, helpful. And yeah, it's really just the way they think. Like sometimes you think of YC as, oh, you know, they're in, they're in Silicon Valley, they're probably playing the whole game about, oh, the bubble, right? Like, um, oh, you want to, you know, raise money from venture capital and do all that stuff. To be honest, like, they're not about that at all. <laughs> like, like, at the end of the day, they just want you to talk to your users and write code and build a company that you think will become a, a great company. Don't worry about, you know, what they call the sensor, which is people who think they're cool by raising money and showing up at parties and being on, you know, famous, you know, beta kits and, and you know, <laughs> uh, 
frontline articles. Like that's not important, right? And, and it's really interesting to hear that from, you know, YC, which is, you know, probably one of the best incubators in the, in the world, um, just tell you that, right? As they are in the heart of San Francisco. Yeah. And at that time, how many, when you, when you, from the, from the moment that you sort of started with them, how, how many clients or users or, you know, what sort of traction can you share with me? Cause I'm, I'm super curious just to see sort of like, you know, you sort of before YC and you after YC where you're at today and just how, how different advice and, 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 and mm-hmm. introductions really affected you, you know, all the way throughout. But when you just joined, what, what was the traction like on your end? Yeah. When we joined, we're at about 600 pharmacies mm-hmm. um, and, and that was back in, I guess, around November-ish time. December, January is always dead time, though, in pharmacy. So you, you should never really count those, count those months. But yeah, like, since then, we've been growing at about 45% month over month. Um, this Whoa. last month has been pretty crazy. Like, we're, we're, we're getting about 100 pharmacies a week. And that's 1% of the market of Canada, right? So 1% of the market a week, which is just crazy. And because you're, you're are you still focus on, on Canadian pharmacies or...? your uh... right now uh, well we, we have been uh, one of the biggest things about yc as well is just getting our foot in the door for us mm-hmm. and so we are just starting our conversations with the u.s market now as well. and i mean 100 people a week how are you even handling like, wh- where do they find out about you what how so many questions man i wish you know i wish we got to the sooner but you know i i uh, if, if you have five more minutes like i just i just want to ask you like what you know h- how like how many people yeah. do you have right now, and what who who's bringing all these hundreds of you know pharmacies um, uh, in in throws uh, to you? Sure, sure. Oh, by the way, I can stay behind. I, I'm not. I don't have a meeting after this. So, although I guess you have to go, right? Um, no, no. But, I'll, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Well, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. No. The, so we've spent zero dollars on sales and marketing so far. Um, the the trick is. Well, again, I feel like everyone knows this already. It's just, if you have built a big, pro- a great product that everyone talks to their friends about it, um, you're gonna get really big there. Um, and so that's at the core what it is. Um, but obviously we had a little bit more help as well. Um, as we, ha- we just have to convince the, for example, the banner groups, the folks who typically give advice to pharmacies, if they love us as a product, because you know we helped one of the stores and the stores loved them and, tell, and, tell, and told their uh, leadership team, um, they're going to tell the rest of the stores, right? And so we just hit up the big players in Canada, and there's really only a few of them. Um, because their stores loved us, uh, they start recommending our software to the rest of their thousands of pharmacies. And it's just been, yeah, like sales was not a, a concern really, and has never really been because of that. Um, it's really how do we scale support and go lives, and that right. has always been a struggle. And we've just been growing our team. Uh, pretty fast like now now we're at 14 uh employees in our company um just because we just can't handle enough go lives literally like we just couldn't do it <laughs> it was impossible to do it without hiring no absolutely it's a crazy amount and i yeah I'm, I'm building a business as well and mine mine is very early stage too i'm talking to you know a couple of clients here and there and for the most part doing very little sales is just what you said you know great product kind of speaks for themselves referrals you know people referring each other but even right now i'm already running out of capacity because of just how many human hours you need to put in with just five six clients and then they introduce you know a, a client on top of that and you're like can I even handle this? Like, you know, I, I need to start thinking about growth. Um, but, you know, I, I, this is crazy, man. Such a, you know, such a fascinating story. Um, what's the, and so, you know, and then 
I guess you're onboarding hundreds of uh, you know pharmacies, you know, every, yeah. every, every week, and 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 at the same time, like you have to attend these workshops and like they do like introductions, and you need to talk to investors. I mean, how, how are you keeping up? Were you even sleeping uh, during the night? Like, what? Yeah. what, what <laughs> it it sounds crazy because you know, to me, you know, um, you know, usually you go gradual, but to go from this to that and kind of like. You know, it's just mm. unbelievable. It's it's good, unbe- unbelievably good, but it's also you know very uh, stressful. I'm sure and draining, and and I'm just you know um, uh, 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 trying to to kind of understand how how are you managing that? Yeah. So, so so back in you know September October, that was when we heard, we got from like maybe a hundred stores to like six hundred stores. We were not sleeping at that time. I was not sleeping. I was literally just like rolling out of bed, work, and then when I literally can't have my eyes open anymore, I go back to bed. And, and do that, you know, and that's really what happened for a long time, and that was probably necessary back then. Um, and, and, and the second and, round, second, sorry, yeah. sorry. And what were you doing? Yeah. So you rolling out of bed, and are are you onboarding like new signups? Are you jumping on calls? Are you de- are you are you designing like more mm-hmm. scalable? Like what what was your day to day like? Like what what were you doing? Like what 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 was the best use of the, your time at that point? I guess. Yeah, it it was a combination of everything. Like. Um, as the product designer at that, at that time, and, you know, chief product officer, like I had to talk to clients a lot. And so I was doing all the, well, I had to make sure my calendar was packed with onboarding, basically. Um, at that time, our onboarding was quite manual. It, it involved a 30 minute to 60 minute call, a call between me and each, each pharmacy. <laughs> and so you can imagine how many hours went into that. And, and to be honest, I've learned so much, so much from that process that we've been able to, you know, automate onboarding a little bit more, or, you know, offload that onboarding to, you know, a, a clinical associate that we have hired uh, later on, right? Um, but that along with design, um, but more importantly, like getting all this feedback from pharmacies and thinking like, how can I design a product in a way that I can address all the concerns all at once, right? Instead of just going straight from a customer ticket to a Jira ticket. Like you never want to do a straight one-to-one ratio between those two things. It, it, it had to go through someone and, and I was that person. So I was the one who was just getting, you know, hundreds of tickets, hundreds of, you know, intercom support tickets in my head and trying to figure out, okay, how can I convert this into a zero ticket? And that was basically a lot of the time that I spent as well. And which just involved like me on my iPad, just drawing, drawing workflows and flow charts and all that stuff out. So it's a combination of, of everything. Yeah, and and what um, was and what was uh, your co-founder doing at that time? Was he mostly trying to get more clients in the door, or was he uh, raising money, or like what? How were yeah. you guys splitting the responsibility? Yeah, so so basically, uh, so Re and I were sort of in charge of operations. Um, Re is a pharmacist on the team. She knows like half of the pharmacy industry, so she's in charge of sales. So her job ends when a client signs up with MedMe, and then my job starts at that point. So our, our role was quite delineated. And, and, and then on, on the purchase side, he was really just helping us with partnerships and, and bigger sales. And uh, we did try fundraising back then as well, actually, September, November. Um, we raised some money as a bridge round, but we immediately stopped fundraising because we got into YC. Because YC always tells us like, hey, just fundraise afterwards because you're going to get a much better valuation. <laughs> so yeah, of course. we raised some <laughs> money and, and, and we stopped fundraising at the time. But that was our role with Um But one comment though is, in the second wave, you know, January to, to April, where the COVID vaccine is rolling out to pharmacies and we've been seeing pretty big growth. Um, onboarding is, again, the, always been the biggest bottleneck. And so we've tried to tr- basically automate onboarding. Um, but, and well, we try to automate as much as possible. Um, but 
there's cons, right? Like you don't get to talk to clients as much anymore or some clients just never hit the magic moment if you don't hold their hands at the beginning for, for onboarding session. So we've had people, I mean, we're fortunate we've had three, three pharmacies cancel on us so far because they never got to the magic point, magic moment. And then they had to switch over to competitor. Um, we, if we onboarded them manually, we obviously wouldn't have run into that because our, our product is much, much, much better than our competitor's product. Um, but that plus just hiring people and, and trying to be able to have you know, a, a clinical associate who has just joined a company, how can you just on, train them to help you do the onboarding, right? And, and do the customer support. Um, because it's, it's quite important that the co-founders are, in my opinion, like we're, we're at a stage now where, where like the co-founders shouldn't be doing all these fires on the, on the low level because we have a lot more, we should be spending our time in, in more important places such as US expansion and things like that, right? Like we don't really have time to hop on these onboarding calls anymore. So it was pretty important for us to have automated it as well as offloaded the onboarding and, and all of the, the ones that really take like a one-to-one -one hour of your time, right? such as those meetings. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree with you on actually learning a lot here. Uh, have you ever considered having a wait list so that in, you know it's not a straight onboarding, but they had to, uh, put their, you know, contact details in and then you would reach like assign them a number and then you'll reach out to them when their queue is ready because, you know, you could only handle that mm -hmm. much. And like, have you considered something like that or was there a specific reason yeah. why you wanted to get all of them through the door as fast as possible, perhaps another competitor coming out of the gate and you were afraid to kind of lose that, you know, uh, opportunity? Yeah, so great question. Um, in our industry, in pharmacy software, once you onboard to pharmacy software, you never leave it. Like if you look at pharmacy software, it has a churn rate of basically zero. <laughs> so like the moment it goes into a competitor, it could be much, much worse than you, but the change management and the rollout and everything, it's gonna make it super hard for them to migrate and you know even migrate their patient data over from their software to yours. So it was really, really critical for us to have land grabbed as many pharmacies as possible at the beginning. Um, if we did a wait list, they would have gone to our competitor and we would have lost them forever. Yeah. Um, so when pharmacy set us up, they usually be like, hey, I need to vaccinate next week. Please set me up today, right? So right now we have like a 24 hour setup process. And even that, we have lost one client because it was too long. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's crazy. Okay, I, I'm I'm gonna wrap this up pretty soon because I I you know I'm 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 enjoying this you know a, a lot and I I I I do feel like there's so much to talk to and I I guess what we'll do at some point we'll do a follow up you know in six months or so where you know you can now speak more towards you know about your um, um, journey of growing this company but you know to kind of wrap it up on a high note with the. Uh, you know, with everything that you went through and why Combinator now that you're, you're out of it. And, you know, I assume you spoke with quite a few investors. So you, you managed to raise some money. Um, you know, your team is growing rapidly and uh, your, your ambitions are also growing rapidly. Um, how, have you ever thought you're going to be in this place? Were you always thinking that, you know, this is why you were doing all this so you can feel, or are you sort of looking back and just realizing, man, like, we've done so much and we've, we're so much further ahead than we were 12 months ago. I mean, one pivot from, you know, B, you know, the, the idea to B2C to B2B and then from B2B to even just move this online. I mean, you know, is it, have you, has this ever occurred to you that you'll ever be here like that today? Um, okay. So I'm really bad at this. I don't 
tend to go back and reflect on the on the pros. I only think about like and, and so I I so for example, Ria, our co-founding team, she's really good at that, right? Like sometimes we just talk and be like, hey, we've done some amazing things. Let's give ourselves a pat in the back, right? Because my personality is okay. I have a task list that I need to do for tomorrow for next week. Let's just do it, right? Like like the, the best way to tackle the stress from all the all the backlog items is to do those tasks, right? And so <laughs> like I, I never have been really good at that. Um, but you know, founder burnout is is real and and sometimes taking taking a pause or doing something like that is definitely necessary. And that's something I definitely don't do myself. And you know, and, and it's terrible, right? Because sometimes I realize like, oh my God, like why am I so slow? Or like inefficient today or this week, right? Like, like why why can I only work you know twelve hours instead of eight or no or what sorry? I can only work like ten hours instead of twelve hours, right? Like why am I running out of energy, right? And maybe the simple solution is you need a break, like that, and you don't realize that, right? Like you don't sometimes you don't realize that, like it's like it's like a, the, those like gate like those toys where you roll it back in order to go farther, right? Like sometimes you just gotta take that pause, um, and sometimes as founders you always forget to do that, so. Yeah, the final thought, and I, I kind of want to, you know, leave 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 our audience with that. But you know, for people building businesses right now, and this could be as generic or it could be as specific as you want it to be. Um, but you know, everybody's working on something, and 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 you know what? How? Uh, let me ask you this because before we wrap it up, this this came just from you know my 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 heart right now. But I I want to know, do, do you think you would be? Do do, do you think COVID was um, had a lot to do with, with, with how fast and how far you've come with your startup. So in other words, um, if COVID didn't happen and you were still on your, on your way to build a B2B sort of, you know, pharmacy business, um, um, the, the way you envisioned that at the end of G-Beta and, and as you were going through all these other uh, incubators and say COVID never happened, uh, do, do you think you would still be in this position today where you're growing rapidly and you're tackling such a big thing? Or do you think COVID really, it brought a lot of adversity, but it also gave you an amazing opportunity to, uh, um, you know, to really, you know, uh, uh, um, um, slingshot to, to a completely different, you know, level. Uh, just want to get your thoughts on this, if you ever think about it that way. Yeah, we 100% got super lucky with COVID. Um, what COVID did for us was, um, it accelerated not just legislation that was super important for us. It legislated or it accelerated um, people like pharmacies mindset that like, for example, appointment based services such as, okay, so COVID, right? Like appointment based was critical because you can't have people lining up outside your pharmacy during COVID, right? Um, but once people start getting used to the appointment based schedule, they're like, wait a second, why haven't we been doing this in the past? because of the benefits of transparency and you know, having people, like knowing exactly when people are gonna show up is just a massive time saver overall. And so just getting over that hump of, you know, oh, I know the benefits of scheduling, but um, I knew it was gonna take a long time to learn a new software. Just COVID really helped us get over that hump because legislatively it was mandatory that you had to use you know, something that was gonna reduce traffic in your pharmacy. And so that definitely helped us a lot. If, if COVID didn't happen, we probably would be maybe in like 300 pharmacies now, 200 maybe if we really tried. And we would have actually really tried to go door to door to each pharmacy and try to ask like how, because pharmacies, it's really hard to reach them. Um, like they're so busy. Sales was, was going to be a nightmare at that time. 
um, if it wasn't going to come from something like a COVID, you know, pandemic events that made everyone use a new software. So we would have been much, much slower for sure. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, final words, any advice you would have given to your younger self maybe a year ago or, you know, now that you're looking back, you're sort of trying to set yourself up for success with, with, what, you're, with what you know today and what you've seen and what you've experienced and just, you know, just talking to you and other founders in the YC and, you know, uh, now that you've graduated and you, you moved on, um, what would be the best piece of advice that you would have given to yourself or anybody else in your shoes a year ago? Yeah, yeah. I, I well, maybe not a year ago, but just in general in, in history, like I really wish we spoke to a lot more people earlier, um, users, um, and also built a lot faster. Um, one thing I always tell myself is I'm not going to start my next startup until I know how to code and, and become and act as a CTO for the next at least 12 months. Right? After 12 months, you can probably raise money and, and hire someone who's better, but at, at least you should be able to get your product up and running from zero to roughly 12 months, because that's where most of the learning and, and the shaping of your product happens. Um, it was really slow for us at that time because I wasn't that person. Um, and so the, yeah, the iteration just wasn't, wasn't quick enough and we could have iterated much, much quicker. I think the, the, the speed of iteration of each cycle of development at the beginning is just so critical. Um, yeah, like that's something I definitely would have, if I had to go through this again, I would have not done any until I knew how to code much, much better. <laughs> yeah, that was for us. Yeah. All right, man. That that's it for me, and I I appreciate you so much, um, uh, Nick here from MedMe Health. I you know just super thrilled for you, and obviously excited that you've 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 done what you've done. And I wish you nothing but continued success. Stay safe, stay healthy, man. And you know maybe we'll revisit this in six months or later because uh, I I would love to pick this conversation up and see how far you can take you know how far you can obviously take this company and the startup, but also you know other potential le lessons that you you know learn from and in but until then, you know, thanks for your time and, 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 and wish you all the best. Awesome. Hey, thank you so much as well. It's a pleasure talking to you.